church, it's time for somebody to open up their mouth and give God glory this morning. Glory, glory, glory. Glory to the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Feel a wave of the Holy Ghost sweeping across this building. Somebody ought to lift up your hands and lift up your voice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I'd like to direct your attention to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read quickly through several scriptures in Acts chapter 2. For the sake of time, we're going to jump around just a little bit. I want to welcome all of our guests and visitors. We're so glad that you're here and we celebrate today with you the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And didn't the kids do a tremendous job? What a blessing they were. It's hard to do anything after, after kids get up and, and bless us like that. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what they do, it's going to be good, but that was good. I mean, it really was good. There's no wink and nod there. I mean, they did a good job. Acts 2 and 1, if you have that, say amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And here's how you know that they were. And began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Going down to verse 32. Now we have the Apostle Peter. He is preaching the first sermon to the church. And he says this. Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. Verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I'd like to preach today the cost of Pentecost. The cost of Pentecost. Let's put our Bibles down and lift up our hands, and let's just ask the Lord to help us for these moments together. Lord, I thank you for every touch we felt today. I thank you for the spirit of worship that's here. I pray that you would minister to us. Lord, open up the eyes of our heart that we could receive revelation of what it means to participate in the cross. 
I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The cost of Pentecost. For thousands of years, mankind was in need of a substitute, a sacrifice, so that we could be redeemed and so that we could walk in the assuredness of salvation. We all, even today, have a need for the cross. The first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, lived in a paradise custom-designed by God for them. They enjoyed unhindered fellowship and communion with God. They knew his voice. They enjoyed his presence daily. And God provided for their every need. They were untainted by sin and undefiled by rebellion. But Adam and Eve's disobedience in the garden unleashed sin into the world. Their rebellion separated them and all of humankind from right relationship with God. Their disloyalty was so profound that God banished them from the garden. And because they could not be trusted to stay away, God stationed a guardian angel with a flaming sword near the forbidden tree of life. That warrior angel with his fiery sword turning in every direction is a stark reminder of the vast gulf of sin that separated humankind from God. And for hundreds of years, humanity was almost entirely separated from God. There was no covenant, no blueprint for salvation, and no way to approach God. In fact, only a handful of men were privileged enough to have any communication with God at all. Thousands of years after Adam and Eve's great sin, humanity received a complicated covenant with God involving blood and animal sacrifice. And through the law that God gave to Moses on the mountain, reconciliation was finally possible. But humanity was still separated from the presence of God. God told them, he said, you will be my people and I will be your God. But the presence of God was confined to the most holy place deep within the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle. Between the people and the most holy place was a thick veil. In Hebrew, the word veil literally means separator or divider. It was 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and 4 inches thick. That veil represented the great separation between God and man. Only the high priest was allowed past that veil, and he was only allowed to pass through it one time a year on the Day of Atonement. For over 3,000 years, God's people could make temporary atonement for their sins with animal sacrifices, but they were still separated from his presence. Maybe after all of that history, you can really understand how amazing it was when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in Matthew 1.23 saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted means God with us. 
Can you imagine what it meant for humanity after thousands of years of being separated from the presence of God? Thousands of years of having no way to truly communicate with God unless you were to go through rituals or unless you were to go through another man. And even then, it was just once a year that they could step into the Holy of Holies. But angels stepped out on a star-studded night and said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. If you believe that this morning, why don't you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise? Hallelujah. It was the angelic voices that shook the night that began to change the world once and for all as God literally began to declare that he had robed himself in flesh and he had stepped into his own creation in order to save his rebellious people from their sins. That's what it meant. It was incredible when John the Baptist looked up from the water and he saw God manifest in the flesh, stepping down into the water. And he looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. John the Baptist was literally saying, This is the God-man who is finally going to remove the veil of separation. This is the one. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. This is the sacrifice that is going to change everything. Even history is divided by the coming of the Lord Jesus into the world. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God literally became a lamb so that he could be sacrificed on our behalf to remove the sin that separates us from his presence. We could say it this way all throughout the Old Testament. God is referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. But now we see him in the New Testament. He comes as a lamb so that he could be the sacrifice for you and me. And can I just repeat the words of the old song? Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. We couldn't pay the price for the atonement of our sins. There has never been and there never will be a human being who was sinless and perfect and able to step in the gap and be the sinless sacrifice for all of humanity. So God literally robed himself in flesh and became a man so that he could do what we are unable to do. It's impossible to really understand the power of the cross. It's impossible to really understand the gravity of what Jesus did unless you understand the weight of sin in our lives. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is born into this world with a right to step into heaven. All have sinned. I have sinned, but Jesus made a way. Jesus made a way of escape. And that's why we're here today, because Jesus made a way for me and for you. And so he was born so that he could die. And not only did he die, but he died a brutal and painful death. Crucifixion 
is likely the most cruel death ever invented. Before he even went to the cross, Jesus was beaten nearly to death and a crown of thorns was mockingly placed on his head, causing his own blood to blur his vision. The crucifixion was slow, horrific, and agonizing. Adding to his humiliation, they stripped him completely naked and forced him to carry his own cross up Golgotha's hill. They nailed his hands and his feet to the cross in such a devious way that his knees were flexed at a 45-degree angle, forcing Jesus to bear the weight of his body with the muscles of his thighs, a position impossible to maintain for more than a few moments without severe cramping. As the strength of his lower limbs tired, the weight of his entire body was transferred to his wrists, his arms, and his shoulders. Within minutes of being nailed to the cross, Jesus' shoulders were dislocated. Minutes after that, his wrists were dislocated. And minutes after that, his elbows were pulled out of joint, causing his chest to swell and heave. The force of gravity on his disjointed body pulled his ribcage upwards and outwards. This made breathing nearly impossible and excruciatingly painful because for every breath that he tried to catch, he was forced to lift the entire weight of his body up with his feet that were nailed tightly to the cross. He convulsed and jerked up and down. Most people don't realize it, but victims of crucifixion were not able to stand there placidly. They would literally have to convulse their body a distance of about 12 inches over and over and over and over again just to catch one small breath. Eventually, as his muscles became unusable, he began to slowly suffocate. His heart began to beat incredibly fast, and it began to swell in his chest. He cried out, I thirst, due to the loss of blood and severe dehydration because of the spear that had been thrust into his side and the beating that he had taken just a few hours before. And at the very end, Jesus probably sustained a cardiac rupture, meaning his heart literally burst in his chest as he cried out, It is finished. It is done. And he died. And when you think of all of this, and you realize that he was able to look down in the midst of all of that agony at one point and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It brings all of life's problems into focus when you realize that God loved you so much that even when your sin was pinning him to agony, he was able to cry out with a voice of forgiveness. Somebody ought to lift up your hand and just take about 30 seconds and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the price that you paid for me on Calvary's hill. He cried, it is finished. And in that very moment, when he spoke the words of completion, the veil in the most holy of holies, the veil that had for so many hundreds of years separated God's holy presence, well, I feel it right now, that had separated God's majesty from his own people, that veil 
that was 60 foot wide, four inches thick, was completely torn asunder. And it was the hand of God that ripped that veil apart. You know what God was saying to his people? No longer am I going to be separated from you. No longer are you going to have to approach me but once a year. No longer am I going to need the blood of goats and bulls and turtle doves. No longer am I going to need a high priest to step in on the day of atonement. Because it is finished. It is done. It is over. A new day has dawned. This is a new covenant. I'm about to institute the church. I'm about to turn this world upside down down because my spirit is going to be unleashed in the world <laughs> oh my friend God split the veil to let you and I know that now because of the blood of Jesus because of the cost of Calvary because of the price that he paid with his own body because of God's own sacrifice now we have access to his presence now we have access to atonement no longer will our sins just be pushed forward another year by the blood of a substitute animal now our sins can be washed away completely now the blood of Jesus can cover us and make us whiter than snow everything changed in that moment but it wasn't over and the reason we're here is because today we are celebrating the fact that he did more than just die we are celebrating the fact that God conquered death once and for all we are celebrating the fact that he destroyed hell and the grave once and for all and after three days of hell throwing a party and saying, we won, it's over. After three days, he rolled the stone away. A stone that not one man could have moved by himself. But the hand of God literally pushed it aside. And Jesus stepped out of the tomb. And he is alive forevermore. You can go there right now. And I can promise you it's empty. But I'll tell you where Jesus is. He's right here in this building. You want to know where Jesus is? He's just a prayer away. Are you wondering where Jesus is? He is moving here right now. He can heal your body. He can forgive your sins. He can deliver your soul from the bondage of sin. Ha ha. That's what he did. He did it for you. And he did it for me. He did it for you. And he did it for me. Fifty days later, after he had appeared to them for 40 days and he told them to go and tarry in Jerusalem, he told them long before he died, he promised his disciples and the people who loved him, he promised them that they would not be left comfortless. He said, I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send the spirit of truth. I'm going to send my own spirit 
And you're not going to be by yourself. You may not see me, but you're going to feel me. You may not see me, but I am going to fill you up with my power. I'm going to give you an anointing and a strength that can only come from the throne of God. They didn't know what he meant. They weren't even really sure what he was talking about. All they knew is that he had lived and he had died and he had been resurrected. All they really knew is that Jesus was alive. He had stepped out of the tomb. Thomas knew it because he put his own fingers into his nail-scarred hands. And Jesus looked at him and said, Thomas, even though it was a struggle for you to believe until you saw me, one day there's going to be a generation of people, and I'm preaching to that generation right now, a generation of people who, though they have not seen me in the flesh, they have felt my presence, and they will believe that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. Though they have never seen my nail-scarred hands, though they never put their hand in my side, they will know that I am God. They will know that I am the Messiah, and they will believe, and there will be a special blessing that is poured out on people who have not seen, and yet they believe. Does anybody here believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Can anybody testify that though you have not seen him with your eyes, you have felt him with your spirit? Somebody open up your mouth and give him praise like a Pentecostal this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're a Baptist, that's okay. Go ahead and open up your mouth and give him praise right now. You might wind up speaking in other tongues before it's all over. You don't have to be afraid of it. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is dwelling inside of us today. That's why we dance. That's why we shout. That's how we know that he is the God that came to save us. The cost, the cost of Pentecost was the cross. The cost of Pentecost was the cross. Let me preach to somebody for a minute here. And I'm not preaching long. I'm almost done. Everyone here doesn't know me. If you knew my heart, you would know that saying this is, is something that I don't say lightly. And I say it out of love and not out of judgment. But it is not enough to just know that he rose. Even historians struggle with the reality that there were so many eyewitnesses, so many historical accounts. Almost nothing is more well documented in history than the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. In order to discount the resurrection, you have to believe that hundreds, 
even thousands of people were literally in a conspiracy together and they were nothing but liars who had all of their stories straight. Even historians know something happened. Something happened. Something happened. Millions upon millions of people believe that Jesus rose from the grave. And it's good to believe. That's a wonderful start of the journey. But can I tell you that Jesus rose and he came and he walked among his people so that he could tell them that the resurrection is not supposed to just leave you where you are. The resurrection can take you from the tomb to an upper room. That was the whole point of the resurrection. The reason he died and the reason he rose is so he could get you from a tomb into an upper room so his well, I wish an apostolic would be apostolic for a moment here. He wants to take somebody from a grave. He wants to take somebody from addiction. He wants to take somebody out of sin. He wants to take somebody out of their transgression. He wants to bring somebody out of Babylon. And he wants to get you from the tomb. Standing in an upper room. So the Holy Ghost can be poured out on you. If you stop at believing that he rose, you will always miss the point of the story. If you stop with just a mental affirmation that he came out of the grave, if you stop with just believing that he's God manifest in the flesh, you have missed the entire point of the resurrection. The resurrection was to get you to a place where you could hear the apostle Peter say, this same Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Savior. This same Jesus who you put on a cross, he went there for you, and now he's got a message for you. What do we got to do? We're pricked in our heart. We feel condemnation. We feel the weight of separation. We feel lost and undone. We feel unworthy. Here, I'll tell you what you've got to do. Repent. That conviction you're feeling, don't run from it. That's a good place to be. Somebody's feeling conviction right now and it makes you uncomfortable. Don't worry. Conviction is where it starts. It hurts a little bit. You know why? Because repentance is the death. You're going to die. And dying is bloody. And dying is painful. You're going to stretch up your body on that cross. And it's going to be hard for you to breathe. Your heart might even feel like it's bursting in your chest. But my God said, I will take out the stony heart of flesh from you. And I will give you a new heart. I will make you a new creature. In Christ Jesus, that's all right. Your heart feels like it's bursting. Go ahead and give it to Jesus in repentance. Lord, what am I going to do? I've sinned against you, God. I failed you over and over again. I'm not worthy. Repent. 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 He died. My sin put him there. 
your sin put him there but he came because he loves you and all you've got to do is just say Lord I'm turning around from that old life I used to be a Pharisee I used to be a heathen I used to be a liar I used to be promiscuous but now I am turning away repent Peter is that all we've got to do no 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 don't stop there Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name. I said repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You see, all right, you can be seated. I'm, on, I'm, I'm finishing, but I've got to preach here a minute. See, we just run right past that. We just run right past that. You know why? We're so used to it. But when that crowd heard him say, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission, that was huge. Because in the Old Testament, there was no remission of sins. There was no remittance of sins. There was no Washing away of sins. Your sins were always there. They were just pushed forward and pushed forward and pushed forward. But the blood of Jesus took care of all of those pushed forward sins. And that same blood can be applied to your sin right now. And it can give you remittance. It can wash your sins away as you are buried with him in baptism. The tomb takes you to the upper room. But do we stop there? No, because Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't stop in the grave as the musicians come. But as we already know, the reason we're here today is he rose from the grave. And when... You are filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. You are filled with the same resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. His power and his presence can literally dwell inside of you. Brother Ryan, I don't know how I can ever overcome my sin. You can't overcome your sin. It's going to take the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ living inside of you. Brother Ryan, I, I don't know how I could ever be holy. You can't be holy. It's going to take the spirit of God dwelling inside of you. But you don't understand. I, I've tried and I failed and I've tried and I failed. and I, I tried to give it up and I couldn't. And I, I tried to be a good person and I couldn't. And I tried to get control of this and I tried to get control of that. Listen, you can't get control of it. It's going to take the spirit of God giving you resurrection power, dwelling inside of you so that you can rise up and overcome all of the things, all of the sin, all of the failure, all of the anger and the bitterness and the disappointment of life. It's going to take his spirit. And it starts when you go from the tomb and you make your way to an upper room and you realize I need to repent.
I need to be baptized. I need God's spirit. And that is the cost of Pentecost. Stand with me. Jesus literally died. And he was literally buried. And he literally rose. Aren't you glad that you don't have to be lifted up on a real cross with your hands spread, nails driven in? Aren't you glad that no one has to thrust a spear in your side or push a crown of thorns down on your head? Aren't you glad that you don't have to rely on your own power to come up out of a grave? No. He did all of that for me and you so that you could spiritually die and be buried and be resurrected. Somebody is feeling the presence of the Lord. Can we lift up our hands for just a moment? I'm going to open up these altars, but before I do, I, someone just needs to stretch out to Jesus right now. I, nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I feel like there's somebody who wants to just step out and say, Lord, I want to go from the cross, I want to go from the tomb, and I want to go to Pentecost. Would you, just, would you just step into the upper room? Somebody just step from the tomb and just right here, step into the upper room right now. Let's come to this altar. Bring your sin, bring your defeat, bring your pain. Who'll be the first to come? Who'll be the first to come? Bring every doubt. Bring every fear. You can't roll the stone away. It's going to take the power of God to remove the obstacles from your life. Some of you are dealing with pain that you cannot deal with. Bring your pain to the altar this morning and let the power of the gospel do the work. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Just come on down. Prayer warriors, come help me pray. Altar workers, come help me pray. People are still coming. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Just make your way down. Make your way down. Someone come and stand at the foot of the cross. I'm here, Lord. I'm here, Lord. That's beautiful. Make your way. Make your way. Make your way. Someone needs a touch of the Lord this morning. Bring it to the cross. Aptab, altar workers, let's come together. Come and find someone and let's pray right now. So you came and changed my life. Take someone by the hand if you need to and just step out. Ask them if they'd like to come and pray so with you, you right now. Me up inside. You thought I was to die So you sacrificed your life so I can be free, so I can be whole. So I can tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping